This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbi ajma'in. Rabbi shrah li sadri wa yassir li amri wa ahlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Um so if Delia was competing with low blood sugar, I'm really competing with low blood sugar. Uh, we were just speaking about how, subhanAllah, um, speaking in Ramadan is quite a challenge uh, because typically we either have to talk to people who are starving or people who are in a food coma, if it's depending whether it's before or after of thought. Um, but bismillah. So this topic today or this theme uh, is one of Laylatul Qadr. Now one of the meanings of Laylatul Qadr is the night of power. And I want to talk a little bit about power and this concept of power, but but not the kind of power that, you know, tyrants seek or pharaohs seek. I want to talk about a different kind of power, and that's the real kind of power, the internal kind of power. Because, you see, as Delia pointed out, today is the beginning of one of the most uh, sacred, one of the holiest times of the entire year. These nights are the most, uh, you know, the most holy of the entire year. And so, what I want to do is, I want to take a moment and talk about what is what is the significance of of this night and and of these nights and of this of this particular time of our lives. And that is that this is a time. If we talk, if we want to talk about power, we have to talk about change because one of the things about about life in general, is that the only time you know, like how, how are you going to know that something is dead, whatever it is, whether it's a plant or a tree or a human being, the way that you know that something is dead is that it stops changing. So this concept of change is directly related to life. If we are alive, we must continue to change and we must continue to grow. And it's only when we die that we stop growing and that we stop changing. So this whole idea of, you know, if somebody really wants to... Um, you know, sometimes when your friend is not happy with you and they want to like kind of like a jab at you, you've really changed. And it's like considered an insult always, right? Well, what do you mean? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. Well, why are we so afraid of change? Change is part of life. And in fact, if we are not changing, then it's an indication that we have died. If, if somebody is not growing, then it's an indication of death. It's not a good thing. And so what we want to do is we want to learn about change. But how does change happen? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us the formula for change in the Qur'an. This is the formula for change. This, is, this ayah, within this ayah, is, is something extremely revolutionary. And that is this. Every time we get in a situation we don't like, so whether that situation is our community, whether that situation is personal, whether that situation is global, international, political, financial, emotional, whatever that situation is. We always tend to get into situations, there will come a time in our lives when we get into situations we don't like. And situations that we want to change. Yes or no? Okay. I'm big on, do you guys know this? I'm big on, um, yes, enthusiasm. <laughs> it's like, okay, good, good. Because I, I remember they told me that Bradford community last time I complained that y'all were just blank-faced. But you guys are going to prove us wrong, right? Okay, awesome. Um, so, so we get to situations that we don't like. We get to situations in our lives that we want to change. So this is a very important question. How does change happen? 
Where do we seek power? And the answer to the question of how change happens is in this, in this formula, this secret magical formula. Indeed, Allah does not change the condition of a people until they change what is inside themselves. This formula can be applied to everything. This formula can be applied to our political situation. This formula can be applied to your, your personal problems, your, your emotional problem. Every single issue that we have, this formula can be applied to it. That we can always look into every single situation and figure out, what do I need to change? And by the way, this is just a side point. This is what made Adam السلام, and Iblis, one of the things that, that made them different. Because at a time when they both, you know, Adam السلام, was told to do something or, or, or not to do something, and he did it. He was told not to eat from the tree, right? Iblis was told to bow. So he's given a commandment. Iblis refused, and Adam slipped. السلام. Fair enough? But there is a very significant difference in them that happened after. And that had to do with how they viewed the situation and then how they responded. Adam السلام, didn't try to blame Iblis. Which is very interesting because it would have been very easy because even Allah said that Iblis made them slip. Iblis made them slip. But Adam السلام, didn't blame Iblis. He blamed himself. He said, إِنَّا ظَلَمْنَا أَنفُسَنَا وَإِن لَمْ تَغْفِرْ لَنَا وَتَرْحَمْنَا لَنَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ Indeed, we have done what? We have wronged our own selves. You know when you fight with your siblings and it's always like it's his fault or it's her fault, right? When you were a kid, hopefully. <laughs> now it's fighting with your spouse. But anyways, um, it, it's always, it was always the other person's fault, right? No one ever said, you know what, mom? I completely take full responsibility. It was completely my fault and I started it and I'm very sorry. Typically, that's not how the conversation went. Typically, it was it's her fault or it's his fault, right? And so we always want to put the blame outside of ourselves. This is, this is unfortunately, this is part of our nafs, right? Well, this began with shaitan. This began with iblis. That he did not take responsibility for his mistake. He did not take responsibility for his, he, he did not humble himself. Instead, he actually is blaming Allah, interestingly enough. He's actually saying, because you have kicked me out. You know when we have this victim mentality? Do you ever heard of that? No, we wouldn't know anything about that, right? That victim mentality, Iblis started that. Iblis started a lot of things. He started racism. He started, you know, he set the precedent for so many of our diseases. But here, he is not taking responsibility. He's not humbling himself. Instead, he's, he's not saying it was my fault. He's saying it was your fault, Ya Allah. You kicked me out of Jannah. And because you kicked me out of Jannah, I'm going to do this, this, and this to your slaves. That's what he said. But what did Adam said? say? Indeed, we have wronged our own selves. He is taking full responsibility for his mistake. Indeed, we have wronged our own selves. And if you don't forgive us and have mercy on us, we will be among the losers. So he is humbling himself and he is taking responsibility. So what happens to Adam Well, number one, he gets forgiven. He gets forgiven. And number two, he goes to earth as a prophet. That's intense. That's pretty different than what happened to Iblis, yeah? Blank faces? No, good. I'm getting nods. That's pretty different than what happened to Iblis. Yeah? Okay. Awesome. 
We're all turning into Anna's. That's awesome. Okay, so um, so it's very, very different. Iblis, Iblis became cursed forever, and Adam became a prophet. And this essential difference of humbling and taking responsibility. So internally, we have to change if we want to change externally. How can that change start to happen? So all of us, most of us, aren't quite happy with our political situation. Delia spoke a bit about Islamophobia. But you see, the thing is about Islamophobia, the thing is about Islamophobia is we speak a lot about the problem itself, right, externally. And we need to talk about that. But there's a very interesting hadith that the Prophet ﷺ, something that the Prophet ﷺ taught us more than 1400 years ago. Okay? Now, listen to this, this, this hadith. It's very, very interesting because the, in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ is talking about a political situation. He says that the people will soon summon one another to attack you. Sound familiar? Will summon one another to attack you as people summon one another to share in their dish. So we're going to eat soon, right? You know, like, especially back home, then you go for Umrah. So you have these huge plates and people sometimes share in that. So they call one another, but this is, they're calling one another to attack us. As people call one another to share in their dish. All right? And then the companions are asking, is it because we will be small in number? So they're assuming that power comes from number, right? So they're saying, is it because we will be small in number? And the Prophet ﷺ says, no. Actually, you'll be large in number. Sound familiar? You will be large in number. But here's what's going to happen. So, so far, the Prophet ﷺ is talking about a political situation. Yeah? But then what does he begin to say? Then he says, then he says that something, he describes the situation further. And he says that you will be large in number, but you will be like the froth on the ocean. If you guys ever seen like waves or the sea or any kind of large body of water, there's these bubbles, it's like scum that comes on the top of the ocean and it has no weight. The thing about the scum, the, bu- the bubbles on the top of the, of the waves is that it just goes wherever the tide takes it, you know? It doesn't have any self-determination if you were to explain it. He said that the ummah will be like that. Sound familiar? That the ummah will be large in number but weak. Extremely weak. And will be, you know, kind of just going with the flow. Weak like that. And if you were to, you know, try to like hold that scum or those bubbles, it, it has no substance. It has no substance. He compared the ummah at that time to that. And he said something else very important. He said that Allah will remove the fear from the hearts of your enemies. And he will put something in your heart. Now this is the disease I want you to focus on. He said he will put wahan in your hearts. And the, and the companions asked, what is wahan? And he defined it like this. He said, حُبِّ dunya wa karahiyatun maut. Simple as this. حُبِّ dunya, the love of dunya. Wa karahiyatun maut, the hatred of death. What is the Prophet them talking about? He is describing a political situation... And he is diagnosing it spiritually. It is a political situation. We start out by being attacked, yeah? And then he, defi- he, he diagnosed it spiritually. He said there is a disease in your hearts. And that disease of wahan, that disease of hubbid dunya wa karahiyatun maut is what's going to make you weak. And because of that, your enemies, they will summon one another to attack you like people call one another to share from their dish. It is that which will make you weak. So when we talk about power, 
Real power is internal power. Real power comes from the inside. But how do we get that power? And how do we get that change? How can we start to change internally? I'm just going to talk about four points or four types of power in terms of this path. First, the power of the heart. The power of the heart. One thing that we learn from the Prophet ﷺ is this is a very, very important principle. And that is the Prophet ﷺ, he, he describes in, 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 after a long hadith about rules, haram and halal, at the very end of the hadith, he says something very, very important. He says, Indeed, in the body there's a lump of flesh. If it is set right, the entire body is set right. وَإِذَا فَسَدَتْ And if it is corrupted, فَسَدَ الْجَسُدُ كُلُّ The entire body will be corrupted. أَلَا وَهِيَ الْقَلْبِ Indeed, it is the heart. What do we learn from this hadith? We learn that despite what we may think about the mind and various other things, the heart is the master of the body. The heart is the master of the body. Because if you, if you fix the heart, as the Prophet ﷺ is teaching us, if you, if you fix the heart, you fix the rest of the body. If you corrupt the heart, you corrupt the rest of the body. And by the way, people say, no, no, you know this whole argument of mind. No, it's the mind. The mind is a slave to the heart. What do I mean by that? I mean that we use our intellect and our ability to make plans based on whatever's in our hearts. So if in my heart is a disease of greed, then I will use my mind to get power. You get it? If in my heart there's a disease of, of, of wanting power, of wanting, you see, so it's, so what I do is I use my, my mind as a tool to obey my heart. So the key is what's in the heart. What kind of heart does a person have? This is the master of the body. So we gotta work there. That's the point. We gotta work on the heart. Now some people might say, okay, then I wear my hijab in my heart. Right? Or I fast in my heart. I don't know. You know? But the problem with that is that we forget something very important. And that is that our actions affect our heart, just as our heart affect our actions. It is not a one-way thing. We, when, when, we, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the heart is the master of the body, when, when, when the Prophet said, teaches us that the heart is the master of the body, why? He says that when you fix the heart, it will fix the rest of the body, it will fix the rest of your actions. So there is a direct relationship between our actions and our heart, and, it's, and it goes both ways. Because we're told that what we do puts a stain or, or cleans our heart. So what we do affects our heart, and, and our heart affects what we do. So that's another thing to keep in mind, that there's that two-way, that there's that two-way relationship between the heart and action. Similarly, in addition to that, I want to point out, every time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran talks about the believers or talks about, um, iman, for example, what does Allah say? Alladina amanu wa amilu salihat. I mean, not every time, but a lot of times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala connects these two. That those who believe and who do righteous deeds. So the two go together. Alright. So we have the power of the heart. We have the power of focus. So this is the second one I want to talk about. There is a power in focus. There is a power in what you focus on. And there's this principle that if you keep in mind, it really changes your life. And that is that whatever you focus on grows. Whatever you focus on grows. What do I mean by that? The more you focus on something, the bigger and bigger and bigger it gets. Make sense? 
So what that means, for example, is if, I, if I'm a type of person who focuses on problems, do you know anyone like that? If I'm the type of person who focuses on what's going wrong, what's the barrier, what's the problem, you get what I mean? If I'm that type of person, then my problems get bigger and bigger and bigger. And if, if there's like, sometimes we'll be, there'll be like one problem in our life, right? Just like one really huge problem. And what do we do? We focus on it, right? So we start thinking about it. We start talking about it. Basically, we just, that's all we do is obsess over it. What happens to it? Does it go away? Does it get, res- it, it, it grows, and that's the problem with, with what we focus on grows. If we are a problem-focused people, then we are going to become surrounded by our problems. We become consumed by our problems. And I don't honestly think there's a better example of this concept than the story of Musa salam in front of the Red Sea. Because in this story, you have these two types of, these different types of focuses. It's essentially a lot showing us Different types of focuses. What do I mean? So you have, you have Musa salam standing in front of the Red Sea, and, you, and he's with his people, Bani Israel, right? And then you have a superpower army approaching from behind them, coming, coming to them. And in front of them is the Red Sea. So what's happened now? They look pretty trapped. It looks like a pretty bad situation, right? So what happens in this? Allah tells us what happens. فَلَمَّا تَرَاءَ الْجَمْعَانِ قَالَ أَصْحَابُ مُوسَى إِنَّا لَمُدْرَكُونَ So when the people of Musa check out the situation, they say, indeed, we will be overtaken. You know when you and I, collectively, as a community, in, you know, personally, when we face a problem? Has that ever happened? Okay. You know when we face a problem and we feel trapped, and then we say, there's no way out, and we feel like there's no way out, and we say, inna la mudrakun, and we feel, inna la mudrakun, we feel like we will be overtaken. That's it for us. Do you know why that happens? Do you know why Bani Israel said, inna la mudrakun? Because Bani Israel was focused on the army and on the Red Sea. Bani Israel was focused on the problem. Bani Israel was focused on the barrier. Bani Israel was focused on the wall. You get it? And so the obstacle was their focus. And, obvi- and because they were focused on the obstacle, they, they didn't see any way out. And so they said, indeed, we will be overtaken. Inna la mudrakun. Then Allah contrasts and shows us a different paradigm, a different focus. And that was the focus of Musa salam. Guess what he says? Qala kalla. He says, nope. They're saying we're going to be overtaken. You guys, a lot of us feel this way, especially right now. We feel like we're being kind of like surrounded and encroached upon. And our enemies are calling one another to attack us like people call one another to share from their dish. We're feeling that. Yeah, we're feeling that. And it, and this attack doesn't have to just be physical attack and literal attack, but every kind of attack. Every kind of attack. Whether it is it is it is 
financial, whether it is, it is actual physical attack, whether it is in your, in your self-worth. And Delia, as Delia was saying, in, in just how you view yourself as a community, in your Islamic idea, these are all attacks. We feel this. But the question becomes, what are we focused on? Because Musa salam was focused on something different. He wasn't focused on the problem. He wasn't focused on the Red Sea. He wasn't focused on the army. He said, no, no, by no means are we going to be overtaken. He said, indeed, my Lord is with me. And he will guide me through. And that was it. And that was it. Because his focus was not on the Red Sea, his focus was not on the army, his focus was not on the problem, his focus was not on the barrier or the obstacle or the Trump or the whoever. Yeah? His focus was on Allah. You know, I'm so sorry. I'm tired of hearing about all the fear. What if Trump gets elected? What? Guess what? Even if Trump gets elected, Allah's still there. Get it? Like, yeah, I get it. Like, I get it. it, it he's, he wears a strange toupee, and I, I, I know he's strange. But at the end of the day, <laughs> like, that's all I see. That's all I see. But at the end of the day, guess what? Allah is still there. Allah will still be there. Allah will always be there. He was there at the beginning. He will be there at the end. And sometimes we lose focus. Sometimes we lose focus. And we focus on the problem. I get it. He's a problem. I get it. But why are we focused on the problem? And when we focus on the problem, we become more and more afraid. And become more and more paralyzed by fear. Because fear grows when you focus on it. Similarly, when you focus on hope and when you focus on the light, it also grows. And that's why Musa salam was able in that situation to not be afraid. He was able to say no. He didn't even shake. Like he wasn't, he wasn't shaken. He said, by no means. No, we won't be overtaken because my Lord is with me. That was the reason why he wasn't afraid. It wasn't because he's really strong. It wasn't because he had that awesome staff. It wasn't because of the means. It was because he saw Allah. And then Allah, guess what Allah did? Allah split the Red Sea. So what did Allah do? Allah made a way out in such a way that no one could imagine. That's what happens when you focus on the light instead of the darkness. Because I can sit here and I can say, oh my God, it is so dark right now. It is so dark right now. Oh my God, the lights are off. Oh my God. Or I can work on going and getting a candle and, and bringing some light to the room. So that's why we have to be very careful in terms of what we focus on. The other thing I want to point out with regards to focus is the power of focusing on what's positive. The power of gratitude. One of the most, you know, the things that, if you just kind of look at psychological research, if you do like a scan of psychological research, one of the most powerful things that they found in terms of well-being, in terms of treating depression, is the power of gratitude. The power of what you focus on. Just, just writing down five things that you're grateful for every day can treat depression. Just that. That's what they found in studies. So the point here is that we can either be a people who are very negative and focus on what's going wrong and what they voted yesterday, hmm? or 
We can focus on what's right. We can focus on the light and the hope. Because again, at the end of the day, Allah is still in charge. Allah is still in charge. We have to remember that today. Because yes, we see armies approaching. And we see barriers. And we see problems. And we see the Red Sea. But we have to have that understanding that Allah is with us. And yes, He will guide us through. Finally, here's what I want to say. <laughs> there is a power to remembering that our goal should be hope and our goal should be excellence. But be careful making your goal perfection. Be careful of making your goal perfection. I want to point this out because in so many of these discussions, the people I speak to at these gatherings tend to be people more on the practicing side. So that's why I try to emphasize this more. A lot of times what happens among the practicing community is that we have this false notion of perfection. That for me to be a good person, I need to be a perfect person. That the moment I make a mistake, it means I should give up. Because I was supposed to be perfect, and when I'm not perfect, I fall into despair. The reason I point this out is because I really hate shaitan. Okay? And this is one of his favorite tools. It is one of his favorite tools to make us think that we're supposed to be perfect, ironically. Wait, wait, wait a minute, but Shaitan wants us to, to be really bad. No. By making us believe that we're supposed to be perfect, he has set us up for despair. Simple as that. Just make this person think that they're supposed to be perfect, their family's supposed to be perfect, their spouse is supposed to be perfect, their community is supposed to be perfect, and then the moment things go wrong, you give up. And you want to just, you know, okay, forget it. This whole idea of, um, she did what? She wears hijab and she did what? You mean she's a hijabi and she did X, Y, Z? You know what I'm saying? Ever heard that before? Or, you know, she, it's this idea that once you, for example, wear hijab, you become an angel and you're not allowed to be human anymore. And so what we have done in this, I'll tell you what we've done. When we act that way, oh, and my, my absolute favorite, she might as well just take off her hijab. Do you know why that upsets me so much? Because it's someone saying, just stop trying. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you weren't good enough to try. It's so bad. It's so bad. And when I say things, if I say things like that, I am aiding shaitan against my sister. When I say, oh, she did this mistake, so she might as well take off her hijab, that is completely, absolutely screenplay written by shaitan. Absolutely signed off by him. Because what it is, it's an idea of all or none, right? Oh, you couldn't be perfect, so you know you should just take off your hijab. Or you couldn't be perfect, so just stop praying. You know this idea of I'm being a hypocrite? You know this hypocrite idea? Oh, you're going to commit that sin and then you're going to go pray? Or you're going to commit that sin and then you're going to go to the masjid? You might as well just stop praying because you're being a hypocrite. Why am I saying this? Why am I saying this? Because this becomes a block and a barrier to, to, to changing internally. Why am I talking about change? Because we will never change as a people. Our condition will never change until we change, until I change. 
So that's why I'm talking. You might not think this is relevant. What does this have to do with Trump? Or what is this? It has everything to do with our situation. Until we change inside and we start having hope and we stop having despair, things will not change externally. We have to, we have to come back to fighting despair. Because I really, really believe that one of our biggest problems is despair. One of our biggest problems is despair. We look around us and we see darkness. We look around us and we see armies. We look around us and we see the Red Sea. And then we, we, we become hopeless. We look at ourselves and we, and we're like, you know what? I might as well stop trying. And this happens because we have the wrong expectation. So finally, what I want to do is end with this. Realize that hope is not in who gets elected. Hope is not in a political situation. Hope is not even in your own deeds. But put your hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. كَلَّا إِنَّمَا يَرَبِّي سَيَهْدِينَ أَقُولِي قَوْلِي هَذَا وَاسْتَغْفَرُ اللَّهِ وَلَكُمْ إِنَّهُ غَفُرٌ رَحِيمٌ سبحانك الله وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت استغفرك وأتوب إليك والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته